1: I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to The Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Welcome to the Inspired Table podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Levine. I've had a bit of a two-week break. I'm sorry for that. I have just been busy. That's my excuse. I haven't got anything more exciting to say than that. Um, today's guest is exciting, though. It is Denise Duffield-Thomas. Now, often when you have a podcast and you're interviewing guests that have an upcoming book um, and the book's not out yet, they'll send you a proof or a manuscript um, before it goes to print. And Denise sent me her latest book, which is out in Feb, called Chillpreneur. And look, we don't always have the time to read through every book. I know I just sent my manuscript out to a few people to get endorsements before it gets printed. And I did not expect them to read every single page. But as I started to skim Denise's latest book... I could not put it down, and I read the whole flipping thing. It is so good. I cannot wait for it to come out. We talk about it a lot in this interview, and we talk about some of the themes in the book, especially the ones that resonated with me. But for those of you who don't know Denise Duffield Thomas's work, she is a money mindset mentor for the new wave of entrepreneurs. Her book's "Lucky Bitch," a get-rich lucky bitch and the upcoming *Chilpreneur*, which I just spoke about, gives a fresh and funny roadmap to create an outrageously successful life and business. The thing I love the most about Denise is she is just so goddamn real. She's a self-proclaimed millionaire, and you would have no idea. Not that that, like, what does that even mean? Why would you have an idea? And this is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of stuff we talk about because we have these preconceived ideas of what money looks like, what wealth looks like, what millionaires look like. And for whatever mold or whatever program I had running, Denise did not fit into that. And I love that about her. And it made me realize that whatever programs I'm running that prevent me from thinking that I'm capable of making lots of money, I need to just think. Throw out the window. My suggestion for you going into this interview is to throw out any preconceived ideas that you have about money and making money and enjoy this interview with Denise Duffield-Thomas. For people that don't know a lot about you and your business, how would you describe yourself to people?
0: You know, I really struggle with this. I I do because it depends on the audience. You know, when I meet people who are not in the entrepreneurial world, I'm like, I'm a writer because mm. they understand that. Or I say, I'm an author. Um, Then other times I say to people, you know, I have an online program and I help people with their money blocks. It really depends on the audience and how much I, I think that they're interested in it. But I've decided for 2019, I'm going to just claim it and I'm going to say, I'm a personal development author. Yes. And just claim that personal development self-help space.
1: It's so funny, isn't it? I also fall into that trap of of changing what I say depending on who I'm talking to. And there's always this, like, uncomfortable shuffle right before you blurt it out, trying to work out what it – well, for me, it's trying to work out what's going to invite the least amount of questions. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> And that might be the introvert in me. Is that kind of what happens with you? It's sort of like, how am I going to get quizzed the
0: least? Yes, and it's weird because I have a business that reaches quite a few people, but I am a real introvert as well. And I find it a bit weird when I meet somebody who maybe knows me from, you know, business, and then they're like, oh, my God, I read you. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Okay, don't talk talk about it, and I get really awkward and weird. And I think it is that introvert side. And like sometimes my sister-in-law she'll she'll talk about she'll go, "Oh, I saw that you did this in your business," and I'm like, "No, (laughs) it's so weird."
1: Okay, so as a as an audience listening to this podcast, who I guarantee is interested in the entrepreneurial side of you, including all of the website stuff and all of the online courses and everyone's very open minded. How then would you describe yourself?
0: Well, I say I help women overcome their money blocks. Yeah. Because I believe that wealthy women can change the world. And I'm so passionate about independence for women, financial independence. And, you know, and I, I'm not a financial advisor, but I just I have a, a space there helping women overcome their fear of money.
1: Yeah, beautiful. My first introduction to you was through um, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, which is pretty much the best title of a book I've ever, <laughs> I've ever heard. Um, is, that, is that where all of this kind of started culminating, this money mindset stuff? Was it with that book?
0: It was, but that book is actually based on my money course. So the money course came first
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: and then the book came, the book came second and um, it actually came from because I started being a life coach and then I was like, oh, I'm telling everyone they should quit their jobs and start a business. Maybe I should just work with entrepreneurs Yeah. because that's not necessarily the solution for everyone. Um, and then I was working with entrepreneurs as a business coach and then I realized that most of their stuff um, that was holding them back was mindset. Mm. You know, it, it wasn't like, how do I do this or how do I do that? Because I felt most of that stuff was really simple. I would be like, so, you know, why didn't you do your blog post this week that you promised you are going to? And it was fear. It was mindset stuff. It wasn't the logistics because, you know, everyone I know in my world is super, like, they're smart. They can figure out how to write a blog post or, you know, write a book or do all these quite simple googleable things. Yes, yes. But it was the fear. It was the mindset. It was the fear of money, and so that's when I started um, talking more about the money stuff. But you know what? I really felt the calling for it, and it was a very strong calling. But I was, I was really scared of stepping into that, and so I was, I was rejecting that calling. Mm. You know, I don't know if you've ever felt that where you're like, oh my god, I really feel like I should do this, but no, I'm not going to because who am I? Who am I to do this? And I had a really strong story that I had to be Susie Orman to be to be able to talk about money. So, you know, like a lot of people, when you feel the calling, you start to procrastinate, right? And I was doing, well, maybe I should go back to university and mm. do a finance degree and then I'll be ready. Um, and finally, I just went, you know what, universe, I will do this. I will take this calling on because I feel it so strongly. But it has to be on my terms. And that means purely mindset based. And it has to feel really easy. So if you want me to do this, you're going to have to send the people to me um, because I'm not going to go too far out of my comfort zone here.
1: Yeah, beautiful. And I guess in a way you were a version of your client because it was your mindset that had to change around that stuff in order for you to step into that role.
0: Oh, absolutely. I was terrified of money. That's why when I look back at all my really early entrepreneurial efforts, starting from when I was eight, you know, most of them didn't work because I had the same fears. I was, um, I had stories around my ability to make money. I had massive beliefs around women and money. You know, I when I really dug into it, I had beliefs that, you know, men hold all the power around money and it's a man's world and um, I'm not allowed to be rich and I just don't have it in me to be rich and everyone in my family has been poor for generations and who am I to break that cycle? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's where you have to, you have to really dig into that stuff because it's not what you think it is that's holding you back in business. No. It's, it's definitely your belief.
1: Yeah. let Can we talk a little bit about the term entrepreneur? Because I know that, <laughs> see, I'm already like choking <laughs> up. I'm like, Ugh. it's got these connotations for me. And I know that it has a few for other people. I am an entrepreneur. So I would like to be able to own that title. But it's kind of got this, like, layer of kind of uh, grossness to it.
0: (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, I think I actually got over that entrepreneur word a little bit earlier because of um, Richard Branson was my, you know, hero. And and he very strongly identifies as an entrepreneur. And so I think I, I was okay with that word. But... But I did have to get go over some things of like, well, this isn't a real business because when you read like Entrepreneur Magazine or Inc or anything that's entrepreneur it's all about people who have sold their businesses for multi-millions, you know, mm. in Silicon Valley. And, you know, the smaller kind of businesses I find are not respected. They're seen as, you know, like little women's hobbies or mompreneur businesses or, you know, like, oh, aren't you cute with your little Etsy store? Mm. And that's it doesn't in our society it's not really considered a real business so I'm not surprised that so many of us have stuff around this word Yeah. but you know what we are creating industries out of thin air us women because someone the other day was like oh god you know the self-help space is so incestual it's just like coaches coaching coaches coaching coaches and I said you know what we have created an industry out of thin air because you know coaches need websites and they need bookkeepers and they need accountants and they need business coaches yeah. and you know women in business we also need kinesiologists and massage people and aromatherapists to help us because we need that yeah. to be a business <laughs> so like I think people get really cynical about some of these like you know oh you're just dabbling in business we have created an industry and and you know money out of thin air that pays for real stuff it pays for ballet lessons for our kids and you know organic tomatoes and crystal collections and like it yeah. it's real money and we've got to realize that and we've got to own got it
1: got to own it totally so you've got a new book coming out that has changed that word around a little <laughs> and it's called yeah. chillpreneur which yeah. I love so what is a chillpreneur
0: so a chillpreneur is someone who um is anti-hustle and like, hey, I've had to work hard at times in my business as well, but it's about finding the path of least resistance for you. And the book is um, broken up into sections. So there's uh, mindset, marketing, a model section, as in business models, um, and a mission section. And each one of those is about finding what fits for you. And you know what? This is going to – it's going to trigger some people because – we don't believe that it's allowed to be easy. Mm. And I find that most entrepreneurs I talk to, they've got, an, they've got something that they've got in the back of their mind that they're really good at, that people come to them for all the time, that they would do all day long for free, and they usually are. Um, and they're not willing to go into that, into their business, because it feels too easy and obvious. And I'm here to kind of give people permission to do the easy and obvious because that's where you'll have the most joy and also probably where the most abundance comes from. And it might not be, uh, I call this heart math, right? It is, there's business math and there's heart math. And for me, not all money is equal. So if I have to earn something, doing something I don't really like, that to me is not equal to, to heart money, money that I earn from doing something that is joyful for me. So, yeah. So children is all about that. It's just making it, as easy as you want it to be.
1: Okay. So what, what, like what is involved in that? Obviously a big part of it is mindset. um, And I know that's, yeah, a big, a big part of the work that you do. So uh, you, you, you are a self-proclaimed millionaire, right? Mm -hmm. That's your thing. And you um, talk about it a lot in the book that you didn't have to work harder To get from say six figures to millionaire?
0: No, I had to work heaps less.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which is mind blowing for people.
0: It is. And I mean, this year, um, you know, well, the last financial year, we made 3.4 million and I worked less than I ever have <laughs> but and that is not to say that you know I don't do anything it's it's that I've set the business up in ways that are smart yeah
1: um,
0: I really embrace automation delegation outsourcing but the other thing that I um, say to people is it's not just about you know outsourcing it's some things you don't need to do in the first place nobody in your company should be doing including you and that could be shiny objects that you've kind of gone into or you're trying to be everything to everyone and you're too diffuse with your marketing so my motto um, for my business is all roads lead to boot camp and so that's my money boot camp that's my flagship program everyone in my world I want them to do that eventually and so that helps me go okay am I doing this because it's a shiny object or is this going to help people eventually do do my money boot camp yeah um and so I think you know if you can look at your business in that way of first of all I don't have to be everything to everyone and then like what can I eliminate what can I delegate what can I automate um and what can I outsource and it when you do those when you set those things up then you you do work less (laughs) because there's not much else you can do
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly Okay. So from a mindset perspective, I want to talk a little bit about um, money blocks because you obviously come across a lot of different types of blocks that people have through the bootcamp and through some of the courses and stuff that you do. So what do you think across the board are some of people's biggest blocks when it comes to not only just money, but making money within their business?
0: Yeah. So there's two main ones and I would say this covers 80% of people's money blocks. And then the 20% are random ones, usually that are like personal to you. It could be an experience that you had as a yeah. kid or something like that. Right. But the, the two that everyone has that I've seen in my world, one, you have to work really hard to make money. And so that's when people, they do all the opposite of things that I just said, like they, have shiny object syndrome and they reinvent the wheel all the time and they try and do everything themselves and they do things last minute and you know all this stuff so they have to justify working really hard Mm. and I, I find that this one has come up a lot for our generation of entrepreneurs because being in business is is really easier than ever you know like if you think of if you had someone in your family who was an entrepreneur even 10 years ago it they had to do stuff with their hands they had to make things they had to ship them they had to have a lot of investment involved so this work hard one even though it's so deeply ingrained in western culture of hustling and all that kind of stuff i think it's actually gotten even worse for us now because you can start your business with your phone and very little investment and that brings up stuff especially if you like have guilt around maybe your parents don't make very much money and suddenly you've got this opportunity in business to like just talk to someone on the phone for an hour and they Mm. pay you or, you know, sell a book that you didn't even have to have in your garage, you know, it's shipped for you through Amazon or all these things actually make it worse because it feels like the, the work isn't in line with the, the money. So it doesn't feel like you've earned it.
1: I guess also it's like it's your own mindset. And then it's like all of the buzz of people around you saying, oh, you don't don't actually seem like you do that much work, which people have said to me before. They're like, what exactly do you do? Because you seem to be, you know, floating around having a lot of coffee dates or, you know, whatever it is. And then you start to question yourself, right? And then that becomes a block for you as well.
0: Or you feel guilty. I think guilt is very related for women around this work hard thing because first of all, you feel guilty that you're not working every hour and then you feel guilty that maybe you've got people that you know who are struggling um, and, you know, they really do have to work hard because they haven't, you know, they don't, they don't know any different mm. and or you might even be thinking too like i know a lot of women i know and this is related to the second block but it's like who am i to have such an easy life when there are people suffering yeah. in the world Yeah. and we start to think that we have to suffer to um to make that okay and it's we don't you know because i know i know this for a fact that when you have more money women we know and i don't know if men listen to yours as, as well but you know the men who are in our world When we have more money, we spend it in ways that enrich the planet. You know, I know people who are so, as soon as they make more money, they donate money. They donate more money to causes. They support other entrepreneurs. They hire other entrepreneurs. And the abundance is really a ripple effect. But a lot of women hold themselves back. And it's because of this second money block too. And it's, um, I can help people or make money, but I can't do both. It it comes up in different ways for different people, but it's mostly this feeling of like um, it's bad to make money because I should be helping people for free. So I find a lot of entrepreneurs are, are wonderful at helping people. You know, they give free information. They have coffee dates with people. They let people prick their brain. They do all that stuff, but they feel guilty about actually asking for money and receiving money because it's this thing of, and maybe you've heard it from other people, oh why are you charging people if you really cared about this you'd make it free or (laughs) you know it it will get reflected back and I I even see entrepreneurs who give so much and then they're like oh hey guys I've done my first product it's a book it's ten dollars and their their community turns on them yeah and you know I see this over and over again especially in spaces where people are in you know the self-help world or the transformational space or you know health coaching or people that help you know other people overcome problems in their life and that can be reflected back I've had people say you know like oh you make money off people's misery and I was like what oh, no but, yes, but, that's
1: but what... in a way but you're finding you're finding an aid for them like you're finding an answer to a problem that they have is that not what business is about?
0: Absolutely, but it, it just comes up a, a lot in the, in the female world that mm. they feel guilty helping people and making money from that.
1: Um, you, yeah. You talk about in the book um, people who work for free for too long and that sometimes within business there are um, – there, there is room to have free product if it's serving the business in some way. Can you talk us through
0: some of those? Sure. So I think every business should absolutely have free information. Like, and most of us do this through our blogs. You know, you might put out a weekly video or a, you write articles or even the stuff that you put on social media, yeah. you know, that has value. Um, and we're not there. This is okay. This is what I've been saying to myself recently. I'm like, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm, I'm here to help you change your life. But the problem is we're so good at entertaining people you know, and we we're so good at thinking. Oh, I just have to give, 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 give all the time. And I think it's great to have free stuff, but you have to let people know what the next step is, because they're not necessarily going to change their life from just a free, you know, Instagram post or a free course or a free ebook. They're going to change their life by investing in themselves and and getting your solutions, whatever your solutions might be in business. Um, so you've got to remember like being in business is really simple. Give, 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 and make offers and that's it. Yeah. Like, so give stuff, give free stuff, but make an offer. So at the end of any of my free information, I've got like a free pricing workshop and a free money blocks workshop. I say, Hey, and if you want to go further, here's how you do that. And I just give them a link to join one of my programs. Um, and th- um, I'm just redoing some stuff at the moment. And I'm basically going to be like, hey, you've got two options. Here's the link to buy my book or join the course. Yeah. And that's it. Like, and not every, like 98% of people won't take the next step at that moment, but 2% of people will. Yes. And they need it.
1: So let's talk about that because I found that very interesting and I found it very comforting and also very terrifying at the same time. <laughs> it's what you call the 1% conversion rule. Um, and I, I think it was in the marketing section of the book, was
0: it? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I'm like, it's funny when you write a book, isn't it? You're like, I got no idea. I wrote
1: it ages ago. Um, I think it, I think it is, but it's this, it's this idea of there's 1% conversion and that is okay.
0: Well, that's normal. And actually that's really good. Like I've done promotions that had half a percent conversion. Um, and most people don't know this and they think that they're going to, you know, they they stress about asking for the sale in the first place and then they finally get over their fear. They put something out there. They might get a couple of sales and they feel like the biggest freaking failures ever. And this is where I see a lot of people quit. And then I'll I'll say to them, well, what's your conversion for your sales page? And they have no idea because they've never looked at it. Hmm. And then if they do find the data, they go, Oh, only like 1% of people bought. And I'm like, that's exactly what you should aim for. Um, If you're on the phone with people and you're selling something on the phone, you'll get a different conversion. But if you're just selling something from a sales page or from an ad or even a newspaper ad, even back in the day when it was just newspapers – two percent conversion was all those marketers were ever aiming for and that's since newspapers existed and direct mail existed even you know catalogs and things like that they've always based it on a two percent conversion so one percent is is pretty normal in the online space and i think especially now when people have got so much um you know news and stuff around one percent is perfect but most people don't know that and so they feel like failures or they have unrealistic expectations about what their first sale is going to is going to get um and that's true for me when I first started and it's true for me now I think people assume because I've got a big newsletter list which is about a hundred thousand people that that somehow I'm immune to the one percent rule and I am not Um, I still aim for that all the time and I don't always hit it
1: so what do you think are let's talk about women primarily. I mean your book your book is kind of catered more to women than men, right? I mean there's a lot of business books out there for men. They don't really need you. <laughs> we no, need you they Denise. Don't. <laughs> what do you think what do you think are some of the biggest hurdles? We've we've spoken about a few, but what do you think are some of the biggest hurdles for women in business? So aside from the money mindset stuff, what other hurdles do you think they come up against? when they're trying to make a successful business work or make a business a successful work.
0: Yeah, well, um, as I said before, two steps, right, to a business. Give information to people and ask for the sale, make offers. Yeah. So people are really good at the first part and, and quite terrible at the second even if they think they're making offers. They're very, being very... Um, vague about it, coy. or <laughs> very coy, yeah. or they're, they're making people really work for that sale. And mm. I do this myself still, like I remember about a year ago, someone sent me a message, she goes, Janice, how do I join my your money boot camp? And I was like, "Um, it's right there on my website. And it actually wasn't, it wasn't on my navigation. It was like, so hidden behind like three layers. And she was like, do I, is this like a test? Do I have to mm. like pass a test to join your money bootcamp? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, you don't. But I find that we do this all the time. So we're very like, oh, if you want it, you can buy it. But like, yeah, it's yeah. so vague. I saw someone the other day going, oh, I just finished my artwork. And like, if anyone wants to give me money for it, like, they can. <laughs> and it was just like, just say, hey, it's for sale. Like, it's okay. Um, An example I use all the time is my astrologer. She would every week send out like astrology updates, but there was never any next step. And I just said to her, just put a link saying, if you want your own chart done, click here. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be any fancier than that. And it took us so long to feel okay with doing that because she felt like it had to be, you know, pure. It's like, I have to just give and expect nothing in return. And we are conditioned from little girls to expect that. And in business, people will take what you give them and it doesn't make them greedy. It doesn't make people freeloaders. It's just that you have not given them the next step and you haven't made it clear enough how they can buy from you. Totally. So that's the biggest thing, I think. And, and also we psych ourselves out. We're like, oh, it's Mercury retrograde. I'm not going to sell this much. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've, we've got so many excuses about why we can't just tell people what we've got to give them.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, I'm just listening to you and I'm like, yeah, guilty. Yeah. Sounds like me. Yeah. Tick. Okay. So, um, selling, we find hard as women in business. Is there any, is there anything else that you think that we struggle with a bit?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's tons of things, but one of the um, other things I see is we feel like we have to do business like men do Mm. and we don't, you can absolutely run business your way. Um, And that's really the whole message of the book is do everything your way. You can be as, you know, feminine as you want. You can grow your business to whatever size you want. It's okay to have a small business. It's okay to have a big business. Um, You don't have to do it like anyone else. And I think one of the, the keys is really knowing your personality and what makes you tick because it's so easy to copy someone else or look at someone else's business and beat yourself up about how you haven't been able to you know, make it like her. And you've got to honour yourself. You've got to honour your strengths, your capacity for work, how you like to work, um, what kind of clients you want to work with, what boundaries you want to set in your business, all of that stuff. And when you – but this is the thing, right? We, as women, we're not allowed to do that. Mm. You know, we feel guilty about making things too easy for ourselves. So the very thing that you're going to resist is the lesson that you need to learn and when you do that you have so much peace around your business mm. uh, you won't you won't second guess it you won't compare it to other people's businesses and yeah you'll find your path to wealth whatever that means for you
1: and that's what i really loved about Chilpreneur was that you you really gave well you really held space but also gave tools and exercises in order for people to make that discovery for themselves so you know there were questions that you asked in there that i'd never taken the time to ask myself and that have really changed the way I intend on doing business going forward. And it's as simple as what are your strengths and from those strengths, what do you enjoy? You know, like I might be good at something, but not really actually enjoy doing it. And do I want to make that a big part of my business? No, I don't, you know,
0: so it's Some just, things are allowed to be hobbies too, right? That's yeah. a tricky thing for women in business. We sometimes feel like we have to monetize everything. And it's it's okay for some things just to be fun for you and not be your business. Yeah.
1: I really liked the question you asked, um, what does wealthy look like? Because I Mm. think that a lot of women have a perceived idea of what a wealthy woman looks like. And then that comes with their own set of beliefs of whether or not they want to be that.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And I think you had an exercise, you know, that had you looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, that is what a wealthy woman looks like. And that was also really powerful because I thought, yeah, you know what? Like I had this perceived idea in my head of, of what a wealthy woman was and it wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. Really powerful stuff. uh,
0: So many of us have never really met a truly wealthy woman and, I got all of my ideas about that from TV and movies and and wealthy women have not been portrayed in a very flattering light in in movies. So I had never met anyone who was just like a normal person who just happened to be rich. And so I really, that's why I love talking about money now, because I want people to say, hey, I'm not perfect, you know, like I'm not skinny or I don't love designer clothing, I'm not super fancy, um, I'm kind of still normal and flawed and very human and, and that's why I'm okay to, to just tell you how much money I made because I want people to hear it and go, mm. oh, she's actually kind of normal, you know, maybe I'm allowed to be rich too. And even someone in my money boot camp group today, she's like, guys, I've got a confession, like I don't share in this group because I'm I'm about zero waste and I don't feel like I'm allowed to be wealthy, you know, and be zero waste and what I loved it everyone chimed in just like no this is about what's wealthy for you and you know be the example of someone who is environmentally conscious and wealthy yeah and we've all kind of got that responsibility I think to share that with the next generation of of girls and boys too but you know just for them to to have more role models than uh, the Kardashians for example (laughs) (laughs) no offense to them but you know like there is a certain thing about wealth being ostentatious and designer and it has to look a certain way and you know I, i look at their cars and i'm like that is the most hideous car i've you know ever seen but I went and bought like a 1974 combi van. And I'm like, well, that's wealth to me, not having a lime green Lamborghini. And that's fine for them. But, you know, I just think there needs to be other examples of wealth too, not just, you know, one, one yeah. way.
1: Yeah. So so what are some practical ways for people to break through some of these mindset? money blocks that they might be having so let's say they listen to this interview and they they really identify with what you're saying and they can start to identify some of the blocks that they have in their own life and their own business do they just change their mind like
0: what what do you you suggest they do yeah well you know what there's something to be said for just sometimes saying to the universe like i'm done with this like i'm ready to change yeah and being open to what comes up from that. Um, I really recommend everyone read my money book. That's available now um, as we speak, you know, in in December 2018. You can get that in paperback, Kindle and Audible. And that really goes through a lot of the money block stuff. And then you can pre-order Chillpreneur. That comes out in February 2019. Um, I think it's really important to be surrounded by people in this conversation because I find a lot of things can shift and change just by seeing an example of it in yeah. your real life, and if you're just one degree away from somebody, you know, say for example in my money boot camp, people are like, oh, like someone shared and she goes, oh, I made ten million dollars this year, guys, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I just thought, wow, I know someone who made ten million dollars in her business, you know, and and it's that that number isn't important. I remember at the start of my business going. Oh my God, she made $5,000 in her business. And I know, I know her. Maybe if she can do that, I can do that. Mm. So if you don't have anyone in your life to talk um, with about money, you are going to feel a bit lonely and feel like it's an icky conversation. So you just, you need to be surrounded by people who are just having the conversation and being positive about money. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: Um, who are your mentors and role models?
0: Well, um, Oprah is my number one forever
1: <laughs> I know. She's lady. <laughs>
0: um, I have watched her show from the beginning, right? Yeah. So for me, like, I can never remember not watching Oprah. Um, it would it was on about like three thirty, I think, in Australia, and yeah. in, and I would get home like just I like get home as quickly as I could so I could watch it and then the next day I would tell my friends about some of the lessons and you know some of the (laughs) some of the you know shows that she did weren't relevant to me but I always loved when she did the remembering your spirit Mm. and then she started the angel network and she started talking about using your life to help other people and using your gifts and for me um you know she's just always someone that I look up to as just such a beautiful example of leadership and wealth um, and I I got to meet her when she was in Sydney on her last tour. Um, she did a VIP part of her tour and, and she said, why are you here? And I said, um, because you have taught me for my whole life for free. I was like, it was a no brainer to come and pay money to see you because you know, the VIP tickets were something like two and a half grand. And she was just like, why? Tell me why you spent that money. And I was like, but I've never spent a single cent on everything you have taught me in my entire life so I felt like I had to go and like pay my respects to her wow. to say thank you and what was so hilarious about this and I should have known because she goes oh are you wearing a Camilla caftan and I said yes I bought it especially for today because it's Oprah yeah I said I wasn't gonna wear like Target to go see Oprah and she goes honey, I still shop at Tajay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was
0: like, oh, of course you do. You teach me so much. But she said, "What? what's the what's the number one thing I taught you? And I said, to break the cycle. Wow. And everything I do in my business, I'm like, I want to break the cycle of women in my family having to hide money in their sewing boxes so they could run away. I wanted to break the cycle of bad marriages because, you know, and I know my grandma used to tell me, she'd go, I hope your grandfather dies this year. Because she was so unhappy in that relationship. And when I think back, she was like 50 when she used to say that. Wow! Like it wasn't even like he was old and sick. It was because she did not have the money to leave that relationship. Um, And, you know, my mum did the opposite. My mum had so many different relationships because as soon as it got bad, she would run. But she didn't have financial independence too. So for me, Oprah is... It's like break the cycle is what she taught me. I'm sorry. I know you asked me who my role model is and it went completely opposite. I've never spoken
1: to anyone who's spoken to Oprah before. So you can talk about it for as long as you like.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) It was amazing. And I was pregnant when I went to see her and I could see she was looking at my tummy and she's met so many people. I'm sure she's made mistakes and told people congratulations. And um, when I got the photo, I was so excited. And then I had to get it photoshopped because I had this big pregnant nipple, like, just you could just see you know when, your so big, <laughs> when you're pregnant and I was like oh, i was so excited to share that photo and I saw it and I had to get someone to photoshop my oh, that pull out it's so funny because I was a bit too excited meeting Oprah
1: oh my god as if you wouldn't be so wait I just want to talk about that a little bit more so you bought VIP tickets when she came to Australia and that entitled you to did everyone get to talk to her?
0: It was um, about 50 people and we were just like in – we were in the same stadium as she was doing the big one. But it was so funny because the lady who was running it, they got us all in and it was in the big kudos arena, but we were all just down the bottom. And she was like, hey, guys, you know, we're so happy here for your VIP. Like, Oprah's going to come out now. And she just walked out. You know, it was not like a fanfare or anything. And then she was like, hey, guys, how are you doing? So, like, you know, we've got – Two hours together. Like, do you have any questions for me? And then she, I was thinking, oh my god, I have to ask Oprah a question, but I'm yeah. so nervous. And she was the one. She looked at me. And she was like, oh yeah, you're wearing Camilla. And then she was, she was asking me questions. And was she and then also in Camilla that day? No, she wasn't. But then Camilla was there. Oh, <laughs> the actual Camilla. So she was like, oh hey, Camilla. And then it was like, oh my god. And I went and chatted to Camilla too. And oh. I said, how did you get involved with Oprah? And she goes, I totally manifested it. I put her on my dream board. Yeah. You, and else, you and everyone else, You and everyone else. And it, she was just so normal. It was, oh, it was so wonderful. So and nice. we all got to, you know, go up and have a photo individually with her. And she was just, she was just beautiful. And the other entrepreneur for me is Richard Branson, mm. who I look up to so much. And um, I was supposed to go to his Necker Island <gasps> last year, but it got, um, Hurricane right. out, so we've rescheduled. it for May, and you know, I just want to ask him one question. And this is, I think, something that comes up for a lot of women around success and money is worrying about their kids being spoiled. Mm. Um, because I totally romanticized for me growing up poor, and yeah. you know, I, 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 I almost attribute that to my success. I'm like, well, if I didn't grow up poor, I wouldn't be successful. Totally.
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
0: um. I want to ask him about that because his kids have grown up very wealthy. His grandkids are growing up very wealthy. And he's a very, like, he's a chillpreneur, right? He works by the pool and he's very chilled. And so I just want to ask him that.
1: Yeah. I think the other yeah. admirable thing about Richard Branson is that he's not afraid to fail. And he's failed a lot. A lot. Yeah.
0: But just... that's the difference, right, with men and women is that he is... So a lot of his businesses have gone bankrupt. He had like Virgin Brides and Virgin Cola. And virgin, virgin Brides? Like, <laughs> yes, it was like a, honestly, I had a, like a wedding shop business. Oh my gosh. Um, and Virgin Cola was sold in the UK oh, for some time. Rough. And there's probably about a hundred different Virgin brands that, you know, that most of them work. aren't around. Yeah. And he's like, sh- it's just like water off a duck's back. Oh, I tried that. Didn't work. Whereas I find that a lot of women, if any, if just one thing fails in their business, that's it. They're out.
1: Yeah.
0: They're done. You know, they feel like a failure. And I've noticed that this year you might've noticed it as well. A lot of people have closed their businesses, like Lisa messenger yeah. closed down um, uh, Sarah um, Wilson. Wilson of I quit sugar, um, Samantha Wills with her jewelry line. And what I've noticed for each of them, it wasn't a failure. It was a completion. Mm. And it felt so good just to be able to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this part of my business. I'm done with this chapter of my life. But I see women go, oh, that business didn't work. I'm such a failure. And they internalize that and they never try again. And yeah. it's, it's really sad. And, you know, Richard doesn't, I, I'm sure he doesn't waste a minute thinking about Virgin Brides. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, not the business Virgin Brides.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. so <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he does not give a flying fig about no, that at all.
1: You're right. Yeah. So what? What's next for you then? You've got this book coming out in Feb. But in terms of business, what do you intend to do from a chill perspective?
0: Yeah. Great question. So, um, I, there's a lot of bloat that happens. I think when you've been in business for a while. And so I'm I'm cutting out some of those things. I've got a lot of little free opt-ins around the place that don't really fit with my brand or my business. So I'm gonna do a massive big declutter mm. and just kill a few things to streamline things a little bit more. Um and next year I've got a very simple cycle that we're you know when um like America's next top model, she calls them the cycle? I can't say I do. Oh, okay. So Tyra Banks runs and created America's Next Top Model. Yeah. But she calls each season a cycle, ah, which I okay. love. Yeah. Um, and it has a beginning and an end, right? Yeah. And um, and my business has been very much an open loop for six years. I, my money boot camp is open all year round. and You know, there's no completion. And I was so inspired this year by, you know, Lisa and Samantha and all those other women. Um, and I thought – I'm going to do some completion. So we've got three cycles that we're planning for the year, where it's money boot camp followed by my sacred money archetypes course, and then I'm actually closing down the groups for a certain amount of time in between each one to ah, rest and have completion. Beautiful. Because, yeah, because I find that um, you know, women we we live in cycles. That's how we are, but we don't honor that in our business. We think everything should be harvest month, you know, mm. or hustle time. And there's just a real benefit in just like having seasons and like having a winter season where you do nothing and then you plant seeds for the next cycle. So that's that's me for the next year. Um and obviously Chillpreneur will come out. I I'm actually even overcoming some introversion and and doing a bit of a tour. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, so if anyone listening, if you live in a town where you've got like a business network that already runs events, get them to get in touch with me because I would love to come to your town and, um, you know, bring some books. I don't know why this is coming up. I'm like, maybe it's because my my baby, you know, she's five months now and I'm coming out of the baby bubble and I'm like, I want to see people again. I want to touch
1: people, yeah. I I understand. Yeah, it's good. And I I think it's really good for the consumer as well, especially with books, to be able to hear it firsthand from the author.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I loved my tour I did in America in 2016. That was... That was really inspiring and I, you know, hugged 600 people basically over oh. the tour. And it was it was really, really great. Mm. Um, and then personally what I'm doing, um, we're in the process we're building a house at the moment and like the concrete slabs just about to be poured. And so that's going to be, that's going to take up a lot of uh Emotion, I think, next year. Yeah. But also, we just bought a rose farm. Um, I
1: was about to say, I just saw that you bought a rose farm on Instagram this morning. What yeah. is what is that? What is that? What are you oh my gosh! That? Do we ha- do
0: we have time? <laughs> yes. I would love <laughs> to talk about this. Yeah. So, um, I just been feeling uh, to do real stuff because I've been so immersed in my business in the last six years. It's very digital. It's very, you know like it's not very real in some in some ways and also I noticed that I wasn't um really embracing creativity in my real life because all Mm -hmm. my creativity went to my business and I suddenly remembered as a kid I pressed flowers and made paper and I had a sewing machine and I did cross stitch and um latch hook rugs and all these amazing creative things and the last two years all of the last six years probably all of that has gone to my business So I started to realize that it it was okay to have creative dreams just for me that didn't have to be monetized. And um, I started reading um, magazines for pleasure. And one of the magazines I started reading was Country Style. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Yeah, It's beautiful, right? Yeah, it's gorgeous. And it's all like people who've moved to the country and started rose farms or alpaca farms or honey (laughs) or making soap. And I just was reading it purely for pleasure. And I started just to dream about having a house in the country. And I started journaling it every time I wrote down my goals. I would say, you know, um, I, one day I'd like to have a country house that maybe our kids could get married at one day, you know, that, and it was probably about six months ago, I saw this rose farm and I just immediately just went, how beautiful, but no not the, not even the right time or anything and then a couple of months later it was still on real estate and I just went I'm just gonna go look at it <laughs> and yeah I was fell in love with it and decided so, to buy it so <laughs> is
1: it a, I mean okay what well, like what is a rose farm is it just a, a piece of land with lots of rose bushes on it
0: yeah well it's it's 10 acres it has a four-bedroom country house totally yeah. like country style house
1: oh it God. has
0: four polytunnels of roses ah. that you know like each one is like 20 meters long so it, it has a, it's like a proper rose bomb. and then it's got um like a three acre empty paddock that i'm going to put a pink barn in oh that's going to be Yes, it's going to have a pink floor with rose quartz embedded in the floor and pink walls and flowers everywhere. And it's going to be a retreat place. Um, People can do yoga there. Mm. Um, Yeah, so it's you know what, it's going to be a hub for female creativity. Beautiful. And in a way, I was really pissed off with Mark with us building this other house because he was very bossy about a lot of the decisions. (laughs) And I was like, fine, you can have that. I don't care anymore. And so I said, you know what, I'm so glad you did that because this is going to be mine. Like this place is going to be, yeah, it's going to be so girly and I'm going to have like life-size goddess statues. Oh my God.
1: Where is this place?
0: It's um, a place called Lawn, um, yeah. L-O-R-N. Uh, in Victoria? In New South Wales. Oh, New South Wales. No, it's in New South Wales. The, the Lawn with an E in Is, yeah. um, Victoria okay. and Lawn with no E. Um, so people can Google it. It's, it's wow. online on real estate. But it's really going to be a place for creativity and, you know, just – people can come and I mean I'll probably run business retreats there but I think even our business retreats will be like hey come and smell the roses for a little bit because you know all the answers you just need a bit of time and creativity let's go press some lavender in our like flower presses are you going to sell the roses I haven't decided yet I think what we will do because I'm thinking like what's the chillpreneur way of running this rose farm um so I was thinking that once a season like once every quarter we'll do a come and pick your own roses thing because then people can just come we'll just be like here's a bucket here's some gloves go pick your own roses it's a dollar a rose and um we're probably going to partner with a charity because to be honest i I can't imagine that i'll make as much from a rose selling roses as i do from my business like that's just me being like just the truth here right yeah so i'm i i know that for me my i'm 39 now i know my 40s are going to be about raising kids but I know my 50s and beyond are purely about philanthropy that's all I want to do Mm. and something like this can be a really beautiful um container for my philanthropy whether it's um you know letting an organization take over the rose part or using the money for that to fund things that I want to fund um but it's also a place for pleasure and that's the thing that I'm working on at the moment because Half of my brain's like, I have to monetize all of this and I could do this, this, and this. And my other half is like, hey, you know what? This is a place for pleasure and yeah, the stop fun and, smell and those roses. Exactly. <laughs> and my daughter, uh, my newest daughter, her middle name is Rose. Oh. And yeah, so we kind of, we're buying this for legacy purposes. I have moved house every six to 12 months my entire oh my life, God. right? So this is like, Putting down roots yeah. and having something that is a legacy for our family that oh our kids God. can run, you know, it can be a wedding venue. And I'm like, our kids better freaking get married here because it's pretty much why we're buying it for for them in the future. It's like, it's oh, just I don't want to get married so at the time. Tough luck, we got it, for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is Aww. magical, and I'm just, you know, I it's giving me something outside of work to think about and to dream about. And but you know what? When we found it, I was like. I'm going to go do a launch now to pay for this. So, mm. you know, I talk about this a little bit in the book about you have to have dreams because otherwise there's some, there's some things out of your comfort zone that you're not going to want to do in business. Yeah. But if you have a big dream attached to it, you know, every time we have a big dream like that, I say to my financial advisors, I'll say, just give me a number, tell me how much money I need to have this dream come true. I'll go away and get the money mm. and I'll come back and yeah. I'll give you the money. And my business has been the vehicle for that. You know, none of that has happened by accident. It's because I've gotten out of my comfort zone and told people about things they could buy for me that will change their life. And in return, they give me money and I put that money into a rose farm. Beautiful. I love that.
1: (laughs) And I think it's also important to have something outside of work, you know, some sort of enjoyment. Because I think women especially just make it their everything. Like we said before, if you're not working Mm. hard, it doesn't feel like you're working enough. And it's just so nice to have something that you enjoy. I think it's beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. You've definitely inspired me.
0: I'm glad. And I'm going to share all so many photos. And, oh, yeah, I can't, can't wait.
1: So if people want to find out more about everything that you do, where's the one-stop shop for them to go?
0: Um, so I'm Denise DT pretty much everywhere on the web. So that's my website, denisedt.com instagram at denise ct same on twitter same on facebook facebook.com slash denise ct but i have to say at the moment i'm really feeling instagram so mm. if people have you know gotten an aha about this take a picture of the artwork for the podcast you know tag jordana tag myself tell us what you got out of it um and yeah that's where i seem to play the most at the moment yeah it's fun
1: it's a fun place to play i'm with you i just send mm-hmm. everyone there these days
0: Beautiful. Yeah, same. And, but that's great, right? Is Find the medium that works for you in your business. And yeah. don't be afraid to tell people this is where I'm going to be. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be hard in business. You just find what works for you.
1: Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Denise. It's been such thank a lovely conversation. Up. I've loved it. And everybody, I'm telling you, when that book is out in February, get your hands on it because it is gold. We
0: can pre-order it now. Oh, we'll beautiful. Oh,
1: right do it now. Yeah, Go and do it right. Yeah, in a second. Do it now, and, and then, then, then it will come arrive. Ahead. Yeah, love it. It will. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed having it. I highly, I know I kept saying it the whole way through, but I highly recommend you guys read that book. It is amazing, especially if you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're running your own business. I've been running mine for three years now. And after reading that book, there are a lot of changes I'm gonna make. And a lot of them have to do with my mindset. And speaking of mindset, I've got a free email series running at the moment called Five Days of Manifestations and it runs you through manifesting everything from money to love opportunity to self-worth which here's a little secret for you is the most important of all so if you want to take part in that email series all you have to do is hop onto my website or there is a link in the show notes until next time i'm jordana levine wishing you an inspirational week